Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is your host, Hayden Bow. I have Marcus Leone co-hosting on the podcast today, and we have special guests, Noah Olson and Aaron Helmley. Uh, those are our two coaches of uh, the Hybrid WAD program. So if you're looking for a great CrossFit-style program, uh, these guys are some of the best in the game, and we're lucky enough to have them on our team. So you'll get a little bit of insight into both of them and their training philosophies. Uh, Noah just got back from the CrossFit Games uh, where he had his ninth CrossFit Games performance. Pretty amazing. One of the best guys to ever do it and probably one of the longest careers uh, in in CrossFit uh, that's still active. So really cool. Uh, We learn a lot from these guys and I know you will too. If you want to check out Noah's program or any of our other hybrid programs, just go to www.hybridstrengthcoach.com and you can look at all the programs we have to offer. We have everything from general fitness to weightlifting, powerlifting, strongman, uh, coached by Eddie Hall, uh, and everything in between. Uh, As always, make sure you take a screenshot while you're listening to this episode, post it in your stories on social media, tag me, tag Hybrid Unlimited, tag Marcus, tag your guests, tag everybody. You'll automatically be entered into a draw to potentially win some hybrid legacy brand apparel, which is the official apparel of the Hybrid Unlimited podcast and hybrid performance method as a whole. All right, guys, sit back and enjoy another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. What's up, everyone? It's your favorite podcast producer, Nick Tricana, here to give you a word from our incredible sponsor over at Element. Listen, you're not getting enough electrolytes or salt in your diet. I see it. Steffi sees it. Hayden sees it. We all see it. Element is an electrolyte drink mix with no sugar, no artificial ingredients, and no BS. Everyone needs electrolytes, especially those on low-carb diets, practice intermittent fasting, are physically active, or sweat a lot. But don't just take my word for it. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. U.S. Olympians, players in the NFL, NBA, NHL, and even our own special forces drink Element. I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm the pinnacle of self-performance, but ever since Steffi turned me on to Element, I've seen vast improvements in my everyday training and recovery. You guys can try Element today with a totally risk-free, no-questions-asked refund policy. And you know what? Because we love y'all so much over here at Hybrid Unlimited, we're going to hook you up with a free sample pack of Element just for you. Each sample pack includes eight grab-and-go packets in a variety of different flavors. All you have to do is go to drinkelement.com hybrid. That's drinklmnt.com slash hybrid. Again, that's drinklmnt.com slash hybrid for your free sample pack of eight grab-and-go element packets. Stay salty, my friends. Now back to the podcast. Is this your first time on the podcast? First time with you guys, yes. That's crazy. Well, I knew not all podcasts. You're a popular guy, but um, (laughs) yeah, that's crazy. We've known you for how long now? Seven years? Hmm. And Steph even longer. Yeah. I met Steph probably in 2012 or 13, so I've known her for almost 10 years. I don't know when you guys first met, but... That would have been... It was her first year of grad school. So I guess that would have been a year after you guys finished your... 14 or 15, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Long time. Yeah. And indeed. our past just 
kept crossing until we couldn't uh, ignore it anymore. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> I, I've already said, I don't even know if we're rolling yet, but I was saying to uh, Hayden, it's cool to come here to the warehouse and see how legitimate hybrid has become as a business and think back to like, there were a handful of months and weeks that Hayden and Steph would pull up in, I think you had a pickup truck. Yeah, the F-150. You'd take your barbell out of the back and walk into peak and do a little workout, put your barbell back in and go home. Like you guys were little lifting nomads and now you've got your own palace to lift in and do everything else in. It's crazy to think back on it. There were honestly like, it was so challenging back then to create any sort of content because we had to mm. work in these little weird windows. Peak was actually really accommodating. We were grateful for that. Um, but it was like, okay, we have open gym from 9 p.m. till 9.15. Mm. <laughs> and you can go do uh, it. Go. You can go do it in the corner. And, yeah. you know, we're just these weird power lifters and like a CrossFit gyms, you know, yeah. just like people are like, what's wrong with those You guys? made it work, so, though. Yeah. You guys kind of built the little mini empire. That's actually, I don't know what we want to talk about here, but I personally am curious on the inception of Hybrid. Did it start the brand name around you guys and what you were doing lifting wise and then you created the program to follow suit and then it turned into the brand and the business and the locations is that kind of the um yeah so our first so how, how it started was actually pretty organically we were just i got injured uh in weightlifting i've spoken about it a little bit on the podcast before but <clears throat> i was basically for a weightlifter my strength numbers were pretty were weak so like when i was doing things like going heavy and clean, uh, I was essentially forcing myself to do like a max effort front squat to stand up with the clean every hmm. time. You know, there's periods of I time. I was that way for a while as well. Yeah, and and there's two ways to look at it. On the one hand, great, that means you're an efficient lifter. But on the other hand, it was opening me up for a lot of injury, right? Hmm. Like you just think about you're maxing out your squat every time you're doing clean and you're doing clean every single day. I never considered <laughs> that. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's, it's a lot of wear and tear on the body. I ended up tearing my patellar tendon. So through that, uh, I, w I at, at least at the time, had the foresight to sort of be like, this is clearly an issue that needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to focus on just getting stronger for the next whatever foreseeable future with the intention of going back to weightlifting competitively right. with a little more of a strength surplus so it makes sense protected. Uh, and simultaneously while we were doing that or while I was doing that Steffi was starting grad school and uh, you, you know how mentally exhausting Olympic weightlifting can be right like you just have those days where you had enough sleep oh yeah you're, you ate right you did everything you're focused you come in and you're just missing like 80% snatches yeah. and you're like what is wrong with me right? so <laughs> yeah. it's frustrating she was doing that at the same time you know with this rigorous school schedule and I was just like, Hey, do you want to for a little bit, like just chill on the weightlifting, do some powerlifting? Um, you know, that way, if you're coming in after a whole day of using your brain and you're mentally exhausted, at least you can, you know, everybody can still do squat yeah. or bench or deadlift. Yeah. It doesn't really require that sort of mental, mental sharpness on the same, yeah. same level. Right. Um, <clears throat> so in that, the first time I'm like, you know, trying to show Steffi how to do a sumo deadlift. 
And she's like, oh, is it like this? And it's like, perfect. <laughs> this is so annoying. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, and she deadlifted, this was at the UM gym, you know, on like one of their crappy bars. The know? platform where it says no Olympic lifting. Yeah. I remember that yeah. one. The so, only one. Uh, she ended up deadlifting 315. Like it was the first time she'd ever tried single deadlift. And I was huh. like, that's pretty solid. You should probably continue doing this. Yeah. <laughs> this seems like you have a bit of an aptitude for it. Um, and then we both still enjoyed weightlifting. So once I had recovered from my injury and I had gotten stronger, we were doing both. So we were doing powerlifting and weightlifting. And uh, with no real intention of competing in either, or that was the end goal? So we had both been competing for years in Olympic weightlifting. Right. And I had by the time we launched the program, done a number of powerlifting meets. Uh, and Steffi had done maybe one or two and put up great numbers at it. Not world record numbers yet, but um, that style of training that we were doing to prepare for both mm. of these. Is that where hybrid came from? That's So that's where we started noticing uh, that people were taking interest in the way that we were training. Because prior to that, you know, you had people who were specialized in weightlifting like Catalyst or Mash Elite Performance or, you know, Cal Strength. Uh, you had people who were really specializing in powerlifting, guys like uh, at Elite FTS or Westside or um, with Juggernaut, like stuff like that. No one was really offering like a super total uh, program, mm -hmm. which was just the style that we were training. And so people were asking us about it all the time, like how are you doing both of these uh, in an intelligent way and making progress in both of them? So that's when we came up with the idea to launch a program that was just based on the way that we were training. Yeah. Um, and of course, back then the competition was a lot less. There was not a lot of people who were doing things at scale. You know, it was very much sort of like the time of uh, DM me for coaching, <laughs> you know, that kind right. of thing. And yeah. that people were communicating over email and stuff like that. Um, but I had come from a business previously, you know, working against gravity where he, we sort of hit the ground running and had to figure out how to do something at scale really quick. We made a lot of great decisions. We made a lot of mistakes there in the early days, but, uh, I had learned a lot from that and sort of tried to safeguard ourselves from some of the growing pains we, I had experienced previously. And then after that, it was just any time we got really sort of clear uh or we felt clear demand for another type of program we would try to add it so people were just wanted to do just weightlifting we started weightlifting we hired a weightlifting coach cool same with crossfit same with all the other uh disciplines yeah grab an expert was, in that field and yeah anything yeah. that was especially anything that was outside of our wheelhouse like you know i'm not going to try to pretend i know how to you're a little do, wad monster over there <laughs> you know what? i can do a lot of the skills yeah but as soon as you get me tired it's it all falls <laughs> apart over. how yeah. long does that take huh it's now good. well actually i've been doing a lot of cardio <laughs> recently but yeah. done it's different when you're doing it metabolic like. conditioning with like you know olympic weightlifting or yeah. you know other other things i wasn't used to but i did i remember i can't remember what open it was um the workout was like a certain number of cleans with 225. Okay. And you had to do, I think it was four rope climbs and like a hundred, a hundred meter run. And you had to do a few rounds of that. I think that was a regionals workout. Okay. Oh, okay. Maybe it was that. Yeah. I remember that one. That one <clears throat> rocked my world. That was 2013. It's amazing. You remembered exactly when that was from. 
I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could and I could be wrong, but I, I believe it was four rounds. Yeah, and I was flying through <laughs> all three of the first rounds, and I was actually my girlfriend at the time was uh, a CrossFitter who had transitioned into weightlifting, mm. and I was a pure weightlifter. Yeah, so I was like, oh, I'm good at rope climbs, <laughs> I'm pretty fast, and strong. Two twenty five cleans, yeah. nothing, right? Yeah. Like, I took longer to do the fourth round than all th three rounds combined yeah. just previously. Heart rate yeah, like just through the roof. And then muscles. I projectile vomited. Oh, nice. oh, and I was and I started failing rope climbs. I was like, <laughs> yep. "What's oh happening to me? It's gone." Yeah. Yeah. So that was a very humbling uh, experience for me. My quick story on that workout. It was a. Re it was the last workout at regionals in 2013. And it was one of two that kept me from qualifying for my first CrossFit games that year. Cause at the time for me, 225 was actually still relatively heavy. I was a couple years into doing CrossFit. I was only 20 at that time and did not have a very good strength base. The day prior we had had a workout that was 21, 15, nine deadlifts at 315 and box jumps onto a 30 inch box. And that destroyed me. My deadlift was like my worst lift by mm. far. Just technically unsound, not strong at all. So what? super round back. It was the same weight the whole time through the- Yeah, 315. So you do 21 oh deadlifts, God, 21 box reps. jumps, 15 deadlifts. That's brutal. It's really not that bad now, but back yeah. then it, it like, yeah. I have a photo that my spine is like shooting out of my back. It was bad. <laughs> and, and it made me so, so incredibly sore to where like I could barely even hold myself up to breathe. And so having to do squat cleans at 225 with that being the day before, I just like, I, I was, it was miserable and I did terribly and didn't qualify, which, you know, people always say that they have like a workout or a moment where the defeat propelled them to success in some way. I don't necessarily know if that was the case, but I went hard that next season on fixing my deadlift technique and getting stronger and now deadlifts is probably one of my favorite lifts and and best relative to the field of guys that i compete against so perhaps that was a little bit you, of that going on so like since then do you think the sport of crossfit like the, the bar of relative strength has evolved to like a much higher level now like amongst your peers that are competing at the highest level like you are do you think that strength is now let's say like a level 10 compared to back then when you first started absolutely yeah looking at some of the workouts that we did or the guys did before i was even at the games the the numbers and weights that were heavy then relative to what we do now i'll, I'll try to think of an example um I remember there was an event not long ago, and I don't remember what year this was, where they were like out at the ranch or something, and there was like 600 pound deadlifts involved yeah. at the top of a deadlift ladder, and like right. watching that, like knowing how heavy that is myself, like I was like, wow, it's pretty yeah. good. Like, these not guys many are guys got that far on that, but deadlift is a good example, because it makes me think this year, I was looking for a recent workout a week ago, we had to do a workout that had three deadlifts at 475 pounds in the middle of a workout, which not insane, but 475 pound deadlift is the heaviest that anybody has had to pull in competition on the men's side, aside from like a max yeah, ladder a situation. Yeah. And I don't know, looking back, if there was anybody that got held up by that. Like okay. I think a field of 30 men were all able to pull three deadlifts at 475, whereas guys, a 
five years ago would probably have gotten stuck at that bar on a ladder, myself included. Right. What, what I find interesting too is that <clears throat> all of the other abilities among the top competitors have improved like at the same pace mm -hmm. as strength, right? Like, cause if you look at that workout that you're talking about, I think the only guy who did the 605 or whatever it was, was Sam Dancer. Sam Dancer, yeah. yeah. But he was also the guy who came last in the run. Yeah. That was right before. It was right? a mountain run so right after, yeah, right? It was run. before, right? Oh, yeah, did, the run, did the run and then the thing, so yeah. yeah into the sucks. max lift, yeah. So it's like, <laughs> so much. <laughs> if you're a guy who's just a really strong guy, like yeah. there were some of those, you know, that would do really poorly in certain events, but the strength events did really shine. I feel like now, just the level has gone up so much across Definitely. the board. You don't really see guys who are like coming last in one event and first in another really, yeah. right? Yeah, no, it's, it's impressive. It's unfortunate kind of for me because <laughs> like I would have liked to see, have seen everybody kind of get stuck and to have progressed myself, but to have everybody always getting better at everything makes it very difficult to keep up and you like have to train super hard in order to continue to even qualify for the games. You know, there was a period of time where qualifying felt easy and you were really, I was vying for the top spot, like trying to win the CrossFit games and you could kind of breeze through the open or regionals and now it's getting so competitive, like so many people are doing it and the level of skills are so high that you cannot snooze through any part of the CrossFit game season. Like you have to really give it your all just to make it there. And then once you get there, it's, that's the tough stuff too. So how do you, how do you, what's your philosophy on training for like all these different disciplines and how do you take that approach leading into like a really heavy season? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And I, I want to hear your thoughts on that too, but CrossFit as the name describes is crossing different types of fitness, right? So if yeah. just in case people are not as aware, you're doing weightlifting, powerlifting, uh, running, swimming, rowing, gymnastics, kind of all at the same time. And, and that, in a way, is what I think makes it a really unique sport and a really cool sport that, like Hayden said, the super big strong guy sure is going to do really well on the heavy events, but if the competition is well-rounded in its programming, he's going to suffer a little bit on the endurance stuff. Sure. And so in order to be good at CrossFit, you kind of have to be either really good at everything or, or like kind of somewhere in the middle across the board and having to work over the years to kind of get rid of some of those weaknesses has been tough. Everybody's gonna come in with some sort of advantage, right? Like yeah. if you played football and you start doing CrossFit, you're probably gonna be on the stronger side and really have to work on like your gymnastics capacity. Sure. Um, I was kind of the opposite. I grew up playing team endurance sports, so like lacrosse and water polo. So I had a good aerobic base, I naturally was able to pick up on the gymnastics stuff and had to work really, really hard to catch up from a strength perspective because I didn't use a barbell at all until I like got to college and started doing CrossFit. Um, and it's tricky. There definitely are, are ways to progress. I think back in the day, there, for me, there wasn't as much science behind it, which is ironic because I was in the same program at UM as Steph, the exercise physiology program, I got a master's in strength and conditioning and I'm in class and they're basically telling us as students that you cannot get stronger and faster at the same time and you can't <laughs> gain strength and lose weight at the same time. Like just all, all the stuff that the textbook said in the back of my mind, I was like, wait, but I'm actually doing that right now. Like I've, <laughs> yeah. I've I'm, the, I'm the guinea pig. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've gotten so much stronger at this, but I've also gotten way faster at this. And all the stuff that didn't make sense was kind of just happening and it was cool, but it's still hard to, uh, 
to plan for. And so I think back in the day, it was just do a lot of everything. Like just until you're beat to hell. Yeah. You can't, you can't function anymore. For the most part. I mean, and being young too, yeah. I, I was a little bit more rubber. Like I could handle sure. a ton yeah, of the of volume and, and bounce back and be okay. I think there are definitely smarter approaches to it now. Like, like Hayden said, people have gone out and recruited experts in their field. So weightlifting coaches are also contributing to CrossFit programs. And it's not just like, hey, just back squat as much as you can, like PR every week, you know, one rep max, everything that you can um, is what it used to be. And now it's a little bit more intelligent. So, okay. Um, and, and as I've grown older, as the sport has matured, that's become necessary for me. I think I'm not as rubber as I used to be. And it's, a little bit more exhausting yeah. having all that volume on my body so i have to approach it a little bit more delicately so um, like now that you're well into your career what's your thought on like when do you start tapering off like heavy strength training heavy weightlifting training like when do you prioritize your gymnastics and like if you're leading up to the games like how, how do you switch things around so you're not only recovered but like peak strength yeah peak cardiovascular condition There's a lot of things it. to try yeah, to align them right. i'm asking yeah. you because like from my background like i'm just so used to powerlifting right like you have almost a one track mind yeah. and all you have to do is not only do the weights but recover so adding in all these different elements is just so foreign to me i'm curious how you approached it totally i'll, I'll give you the general framework of what kind of a game season looks like from that perspective yeah, and yeah. then I, I do want to hear aaron's perspective from a, a scientific background, he like just graduated from UM in the same exercise physiology program. Yeah, so congratulations. all that yeah, science congrats. is probably more <laughs> on his mind than mine. Um, but generally speaking, a CrossFit season right now, we are at the, we're in the off season in theory, the games ended last week. And so you have a couple months to recover, but when you start getting back into the swing of things, I would say typically people are gonna prioritize strength building then okay. base building as with most programs right yeah, yeah as you get a little closer to the season you start to add in the sports specific like conditioning and skills so the first part of our season is the open and when the open rolls around that's when we start adding in the the crossfit movements doing a little bit more of the gymnastic stuff the lighter thrusters stuff that we're usually tested on during that phase of the season even now in the the coming months in this like strength building season we'll get touches on all that stuff a couple times a week just to stay sharp and not lose the skills but it's not as much of a focus once you make it through the open usually you have a qualifier for the game so now it's quarterfinals and semifinals it used to be regionals right yeah then you start to increase the level of skills that you're practicing so instead of just doing pull-ups and handstand push-ups you know that the the field is being whittled down to higher level athletes. And sure. so they're going to be testing now muscle ups and handstand walking and legless rope climbs. So you increase the amount of skills that you're doing. And in addition to still doing the strength work, that's when it starts to become more of the CrossFit where like everything is happening all at once. You're maintaining slash maybe building some strength, doing all the CrossFit skills. The aerobic conditioning stuff, I think is more of that mixed modal, like you're getting it from doing a, a Metcon, which is the yeah, CrossFit mixed sure, sure. things, and a little bit of like the bike and the rower. As you make it through that semifinal stage and you're starting to prepare for the games, that's when now, again, just based on the way that the games are tested, we start to get outside, we swim, we're doing mountain biking, you're doing running, rowing, 
um, I already said rowing, but doing a little bit more of the outdoor running stuff and adding in like odd objects. So sandbag carries and things that you're not gonna be tested in at your home gym during the open or quarterfinals in like a small arena, but at the games where they've got a lot more room to play with their ability to test different things. You have to prepare for anything and everything, which I know is very difficult to do as a, a coach or an athlete, because sure. you can show up and this, for an example, this season, the only sandbag stuff that we trained was some sandbag over the shoulder at like 150 pounds very quickly in a, a workout. And a couple times we did sandbag carries with a 200 pound bag. And then we show up at the games and they announce a one rep max sandbag lift that went up above 300 pounds. And so a lot of guys, like if you didn't get lucky and your coach didn't happen to say, hey, let's try some heavy sandbags just in case it comes up, then you were doing that relatively unprepared. And, okay, so you brought up something that kind of made me go down a rabbit hole in, yeah, my, yeah. in my head. Like you have a coach, right? I do. Okay. so. What's your thought on approaching other experts? Like, let's say a powerlifting expert, a weightlifting expert, a gymnast, uh, you know, somebody who's an expert marathon. Like, do you guys, and maybe you and other CrossFit athletes, do you approach other experts to try and challenge your preconceived, like, training methodology and maybe say, okay, that's what you're doing, that's great, but have you ever tried X, Y, yeah, Z? Yeah, absolutely, and I kind of took that approach last season I realized that I wanted to get better at the endurance events. Looking at the leaderboard from the 2021 games, I had a couple of shortcomings there. And there's a guy within our space named Chris Hinshaw that does a lot of that stuff. And so Max El Haj, who's my coach for everything, thankfully was very open to the idea. I approached him and I said, hey, I'd love to reach out to Chris. Not that I don't <laughs> trust you, but I just know he's proven to have done really, really well with sure. guys building their aerobic capacity in the past. And so we incorporated some of that from him, got a little bit of like rehab stuff from another guy. I was getting nutrition coaching from someone else. I had gone the direction of like, I think back in 2016, piecing everything out. I was working with Dave Spitz from Cal Strength. Oh, I was wow. working <laughs> with Chris Hinshaw then okay. as well and Dusty Highland was my like head coach. And I don't know, it just felt like there were a lot of pieces. I was communicating with too many different people. The, it wasn't all, yeah, yeah. Con, what's the word? I was gonna say like a conglomerate and one, yeah, yeah cohesive. Too exactly. many cooks in the kitchen. Basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think there is a fine line there where like you can get input from the experts, but I think I would prefer at this point for Max to be having communications and conversations with those guys taking that knowledge that I trust him to gain from them and yeah. implementing it into my program rather than them just directly programming all the pieces for me. It, it reminds me a lot of uh, MMA in a way hmm. because right. yeah. you kind of need that point man, like coach, the guy, the head coach who's communicating with all the other ones because if you just go to all these individual experts, a lot of times they have an inflated sense of how important their, their discipline, their discipline yeah. is. Right. So it's like you see it sometimes in, even in MMA, like I was saying, where there'll be two coaches in the corner, one's a boxing guy and one's a jiu-jitsu a jiu coach. Of course, the boxing guy wants you to knock the, the guy's head off, <laughs> right. and the jiu-jitsu guy wants you to go down to the mat, yeah. and you have these kind of you know competing forces. So yeah. I think that's an important distinction for anybody you know who is going to do something like that, like have somebody who can sort of, you know, if you're going to get all these different inputs, have somebody who can sort of Blend distill it, it down into yeah. one plan so it does work cohesively yeah i agree 
it's nice when they all uh, work together. Like it's important, especially you know, looking at uh, like the health side of things in every sport to make sure that that's meshing up with what you're doing. You know, on the training side, your nutrition side of things. It's nice when you have some kind of harmony between all the disciplines, but it doesn't get to the point where you're like. There's some, I've seen, you know, some amateur people that are paying five different coaches for all yeah. these different random things. And it's like, may not be the best approach. Yeah. At your level, that probably is worth your time to do that yeah. because you're, you're just dealing with the top 0.01% of what you guys do. Right. Yeah. And you take an athlete like Noah, that's been doing it what 12 years now. Just about. Like he's had so many touches on like all the finer CrossFit points that he, you know, the, the small like gymnastics things, the techniques, the little splits that he has are like for like an athlete that's coming in on year two of the games is way different than like his year that you might approach it wise, which is where he needs like all that specialization, like the small stuff, you know, cause he doesn't need like throughout the year to just constantly be doing 75 pound thrusters, you know, cause he moves well on him. He knows how he feels like he knows the cycle rate, you know, whereas focusing on those like big macro things like the aerobics, the strengths are what actually like plays a bigger role in his season. Yeah. That I, I was, thinking about that recently as well, being a little bit older, having some, uh, some more experience under my belt that perhaps at this point in time, scientifically, physiologically, it makes sense for me to do a little bit less volume. And to complement that would be the fact that, yeah, I, I do have 12 years of figuring out the movement patterns and the ways to do this stuff efficiently that at the beginning, somebody needs to do reps and reps and reps to figure yeah. that out. Once you have it figured out, you probably don't need to do as many of them. So I don't know, in the last couple of years, I'd, I had been hoping that those two things would converge and I would be able to do a little bit less volume and still get away with performing really well. And it doesn't seem to be the case. I don't know if that's just because like we said, the field is getting so much better that you can't afford to back off at all. And so the, the volume has stayed really high. Um, are you able to recover from it still? I was going to ask, how do you, how is yeah. your method of recovery changed? Do you do things differently now than when you were, I, I assume you do, but how do you do them differently than when you were just starting out first yeah. games? I think that I give it a little bit more attention recovery than I used to. I know for a fact when I was first qualifying for the games, 2014, 15, 16, I was also still coaching at peak. And so I would... I would literally always, and we would get in trouble for this now, but I would finish a workout at the time that the class started and like tell everybody to go take their warm up lap while I was racking my weights and putting my shirt back on and I'd coach for two or three hours, wouldn't have a shake on me, wouldn't have any food on me, still be standing on my feet. So um, after doing that for a couple of years, my coach Max was like, I think if you wanna really go all in on this, you should pull back from your other obligations and focus a little bit more on training and recovering. And so I think some of the modalities that I've implemented that help with that are the like very cliche ones that maybe not everybody has access to, unfortunately, but using sauna and a cold plunge, I've done a lot more the last couple of seasons that we've been able to get our hands on some of those. But in general, just being able to like be educated on how to eat really well, I think that's important. Making note of sleep that back in, uh, my college days that I was trying to also have a little bit of balance and have fun. And like I was in a fraternity and we'd have to go out and I wasn't prioritizing my recovery then. And I was still able to maintain and do relatively well. Um, 
just want you to know you made me very sad just talking about the sauna and cold plunge topics. <laughs> Lost access to the greatest place on earth. That was like no during like the whole past six years I've been I've been back in Miami. It's been like, a big blow to the yeah, culture. The Sorry. sauna the sauna, the bathhouse scene got taken away. I always credited that as like the number one thing yeah, that huh. in, like uh, that helped me in my recovery yeah. when I was training. Have you guys ever gone to it? No, I've yeah. never been to a bathhouse. I've heard you guys talk about it before. You invited me once and I was like, I don't know man, that's it sounds a little weird. It's the right kind of weird. Yeah. It's like what I, I mean, I picture in a movie a bunch of like naked dudes in a dark room and a body of water together. They're not naked, but everything okay. else you just said, <laughs> yeah. like completely accurate. Yeah. It was it was a, a landmark of huh. Miami and it, it got shut it was down. Either... Why did it? So the story is that there's like, you know, the condo collapse in Surfside last year. Mm. So they started cracking down all these old hotels on the beach and this one apparently there's like uh it's called concrete spalding like where concrete and rebar separate Got and it. like a big concrete structure so they have a parking garage below the bathhouse and they blamed the erosion of the concrete uh strength and stability mm. on the bathhouse leaking water interesting so it was shut down for covid reopened you know everybody's just just so excited yeah you know? and there was something that uh a friend of ours fernando i, I don't did he introduce you to it he did yeah and, he, nice. and then kind of just bled out into the rest of the community yeah. but it would be like a thing you'd see fighters there Rush, russian there? gangsters yeah. a lot of those <laughs> yes. like eyeball tattoos you, yeah. who's the fighter we met there once were you with me uh cyborg we met there from bellator well i run into uh yoel romero not Yo, uh not yoel romero there was another one who uh I can't remember his name. He was like sitting in the red room at the beginning, and he was he was a UFC. That sounds dangerous. Oh, that was like the most mild sauna they had there. What what was the concept of it? Because I literally am thinking of like a bunch of hot tubs. What no, is no. a bathhouse? So it's there was one big hot tub, and all the water from that hot tub was pumped in actually from the ocean. So it was salt huh. water that was falling on you, which was kind of cool. That's interesting. But that was like nobody really used that that was kind of like you you did your rounds some, and that was on the way out in there got it but <laughs> um it's basically a bunch of different saunas what's up everyone it's your favorite podcast producer nick tracana here to give you a word from our incredible sponsor over at element because we love y'all so much over here at hybrid unlimited we're gonna hook you up with a free sample pack of element just for you each sample pack includes eight grab-and-go packets in a variety of different flavors. All you have to do is go to drinkelement.com slash hybrid. That's drinklmnt.com slash hybrid. So they have the the Finnish style uh, uh, like cedar Stones, sauna with the yeah. you know wet sauna, dry Turkish sauna. Turkish hammam rooms, steam, steam rooms. Room. Huh. And then they had this like this one sauna called the Schwitz. <laughs> Which was like the final boss, Spitzing like, like two two fifty. Uh, it was like Dude. two. It was two twenty plus. Oh. But it would just. It was kind of a hard thing to describe. You know, there would just be so many just interesting people in yeah, there, and these like self-proclaimed like guides to the bathhouse, and they'd be like. <laughs> The people whipping Where, you with the big tree, yeah, yeah, they tree just, leaf thing. And they like they were oh, they yeah. didn't work there. They would yeah. just they would come in and that offer people. Hobby. Yeah, they would just beat <laughs> you with these big uh, grape leaves. And you know it was just a really <laughs> really magical time. I'm sad that I, I kind of want to go now. Yeah, it wasn't weird. Like yeah. there's 
they're all over the world. I mean, we had there were some weird experiences there for sure. It makes for good stories. It's cool. Oh yeah, and somehow they had a liquor license. You could. You'd think people going hot, cold, hot, cold is already sort of like right. dangerous yeah, enough. Yeah, They're like, just let's let's add into alcohol. Yeah. They had all these strong Russian beers and served. Great time. You could have soup also. Like in your bathing suit. Honestly, the soup was... Soup in the sauna? Not in the sauna. <laughs> there were separate activities. But the soup, it was just this... It was like some old Russian lady and she had her own little Nadia. sauna. That's like a massive, Nadia? Nadia's kitchen. Massive bowl, yeah. Yeah, you go get a borscht or a salanka. There was this one I got called a salanka every time, but it was just full of just rich sodium huh. and it was great that's awesome but, and now we have like there's a whole bunch of us because we had a crew of like 20 people it wasn't always all 20 that would go yeah. at the same time but we'd, we'd routinely have like 10 of us there yeah, yeah. and you that buy these cool. cards that are 20 packs for like 400 bucks to go uh you know they they like would use the hole punch yeah thing, like old school every time Appreciate you come it. in but now we all have these cards and the bathhouse is no more but Whoa. there's another one in new york Okay, I was I'm gonna, gonna say, go, I'm going to that one next weekend. We yeah, don't it's have a business uh, plan, yeah. We don't have as many things to offer you. We don't have soup and uh, schwitz and all that <laughs> stuff. But in my backyard, we do have an infrared sauna, okay. a cold plunge, and a pool. If you want to come use oh, that, you have any we'll, we'll, bring, we'll bring the soup. We're gonna make them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys bring the soup. We'll bring the soup. <laughs> I got the grape leaves. <laughs> all right. Well, just we're gonna have to get you a towel. Just all you can wear is a towel. You got to walk in, beat people with it, and there's hats. Hats are kind of like. Do you have a sauna hat? I don't know. Oh, we're going to have to get you one. Our okay. friend Bickle that has like a, one of yeah. the wooden ones has like five or six of them that he loves. That was also a really Those bizarre part of it. They would like, it, they wouldn't just come up with like a normal Crazy sauna hat. It would, there'd be horns yeah. and like, yep. it, it, they had, I saw one guy with like this old school like Air Force like bomber style. Huh. But I have one of those, like a flap hat. Yeah, like the one, yeah. Okay, like yeah, a Canadian yeah. style one with the thing It's reminiscing here. It's just, just it was <laughs> like, if anybody came to town, it was like, if you don't, they don't want to go out and drink, but a lot of them were athletes. You're yeah. like, hey, let's, let's go, go to the bathhouse. Let's go to the bathhouse. That's cool. It's a social experience. How did we get on this? Oh, we were talking about recovery. Recovery. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, long tangent there. Yeah. No, I, I do. So that is one thing that I will utilize. And I think in addition to the physical benefits of all of it, probably what you guys are saying as well, the, the relaxation and the disconnecting and consciously actively doing something that is you time is beneficial as well. Like getting out of the gym where there's a bunch of people in loud music and just going into the sauna and sweating and breathing. Just getting off your phone. I mean, I know that when we go yeah. in there for a couple hours, like, you can't bring your phone in. Right. So you just throw your phone in the locker. Yeah, but you're you know you're mentally disconnected sure. to the point, and right. I and think, you don't get service in there because it was oh, under, yeah. it was underground. Mm. Yeah, it's like a dungeon. Nice. So <laughs> I, I feel like that's a, a huge thing now, probably more than it was five ten years ago. Yeah. We're also you know whether you're in business or you're an athlete, and you right. have in, an Instagram presence like you guys all do. Like that's a huge thing is take a little bit of time to disconnect, and I always found that that recovery method and being involved in like a social activity whether it was just recovery whatever just kind of disconnecting gives your brain a little bit of a chance to take a break and be like okay the training session's over and just be a regular human being with like an old world level of stimulation is nice sometimes right yeah like that's something that I enjoy about the motorcycle is I can't do anything other than than try to not die when I'm on the motorcycle (laughs) and it's the same same thing sort of in the sauna right it's like you the only sort of stimulation you have is conversation with other people. And nowadays it's like, even when you're sitting around talking to people at like a restaurant, it's like half the people are on their phone. You're so disconnected. It's like, it's a nice little reset. I was just talking to Guido and his brother Andre last night about meditation. And I asked him what the definition of meditation is. And he said it in his interpretation, it's basically just singular focus, mindfulness. And so that's 
in theory, what you just said while you're riding your motorcycle, you're focusing on that one thing, just driving safely, like technically that is a meditation. Yeah, I, I've always said that it's a really meditative yeah. uh, experience, especially if you're doing long distances. Like I did a trip with Indian, <clears throat> may have been about two, maybe two years ago now, but we were doing 10 hour days where you're just riding for 10 hours and we, I had uh, music, Yeah. but um, it, it, it was so unique in that you're very involved when you're on a motorcycle, right? Like each one of your limbs is doing something. Mm -hmm. You have the throttle on this side and a handbrake. You have a foot brake on this side. You are shifting with this foot. Mm. And then the clutch that allows you to shift is on this side. So you're like, your whole body's yeah. engaged. But when you do it for like so long, it, it for like a 10 hour period, it's almost like an out of body experience. Huh, I would yeah. like almost describe it as like, almost like a psychedelic experience where you're so removed, everything is just happening automatically. And your my brain just wandered and like I thought about everything. I found myself getting like emotional at times yeah, and it was yeah. like just, it was really, really That's unique. Cool. But to your point, yeah, I have always said it's pretty meditative. And yeah. I, like you can, like you said, you can be. It's rare to be able to anything. disconnect that much. Yeah, nowadays. Dude, 10 hours? I hadn't had 10 hours away from my phone <laughs> since I yeah. was in elementary school. Yeah. It gives you like superpowers <laughs> at this point. Yeah. When life moves so fast, especially here in Miami. Oh my like there's God. There's always something going on, something to do, somebody yeah. messaging you. Have you guys something. ever had a weekend where there's not like a thing that you're like, oh, yeah, exactly. just, it's five just, minutes away. I'm going to yeah, go do that. He just said that. He's like, I had the most boring weekend yeah. and it was awesome. Like all my closest friends That's were out of town. Amazing. I was like, all summer I've been at weddings, bachelor parties, yeah. the games, semifinals, everything. And I'm like, I had nothing to do all weekend. And I just loved every minute of it. And my, everybody wants to come here too. So you always have like, hey, I'm in town. It's like, all right, right. Well, there goes, there's my Sunday. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> Yeah, it leaves you feeling like when you have one of those off days, I feel like Will Ferrell in Talladega Nights. You know, in the yeah. interview, you're just like, I don't know. Do yeah, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> my hands. Yeah. I, I have trouble myself with turning off. Like, I, I always want to be productive. And so yeah. even when I do have a rest day and an opportunity where there's no obligations and I can just chill on the couch and watch a show or whatever, I have to remind myself, hey, put the phone down. You don't have to be drafting Instagram posts or making business decisions and messaging this person just innately. I, I feel like I'm wasting time if I'm not doing anything productive. Um, but I do recognize that it is beneficial for recovery and being able to sustain whatever lifestyle you're living. So I'm always battling back and forth with the right amount of productivity and rest. Well, it's, it's counterintuitive, right? But sometimes the most productive thing you can do is nothing, nothing. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I feel like coming game season for him too, like everything he's doing in the gym every day is so mentally exhausting on top of the physical exhaustion that just like when you're constantly on your phone having to do this, having to do that, like your mental side doesn't get a break and it like can bleed into the gym when like physically you might feel all right, but like mentally sometimes, yeah, you just need to like veg out, you know? Yeah, finding, finding ways to do that, because like, I, when I first started powerlifting, I started a business at the same exact time, and this was over you know, five, five and a half years ago now, and like trying to compete at the highest level of that sport, and also like, you know, you're playing this game of life, running a business, opening a business, and yeah. the two things are simultaneously so exhausting. It's like we were talking about it before we started the podcast, like I stopped powerlifting just recently because I just mentally couldn't balance yeah. it anymore. Yeah. And I don't think it was like a quitting type mentality. It was more of like, what's going to be the most productive use of my time going forward and not feel like somebody beat me with a hammer every day <laughs> Yeah, like all over yeah. my body. 
It's well, interesting though to hear you say that, that you were running the business, competing in powerlifting at the same time. I've had just the, the fact that when you have to make it work, you will and you do. Yeah. I've had people reach out and say, hey, I'm in college right now and I really wanna compete in CrossFit, but I can't really afford it, so I might have to coach, but I don't think I can balance doing all three. And when I was, not to boost myself up at all, but just a testament to like figuring it out and making it work if yeah, you really want it. be honest about it, yeah. yeah back in, in 2014, the first year that I qualified for the games, I was getting my master's degree, I was training to compete and qualify the games, mm -hmm. I was coaching at peak, and I was in a fraternity like doing all that stuff. And Streaking through the quad. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jumping um, off a building. The fastest guy in the quad, that's how you got started <laughs> in CrossFit. Yeah. But, you know, it just, in hindsight, like maybe it was difficult. At the time, I'm sure there were moments where I struggled, but it, like, it was never a question. I never thought I need to remove one of these things or I can't pursue this because I've got this going on. Like, you just got to do what you got to do. But with why? It. Why? Why did? Why didn't you question it? Why? Like, because I, I, I know where you were just going with that kind of like line of inquiry from other people, and I, I don't want to give away your answer, but I'm guessing I know what it is. So, in your own words, what? Like, you're approaching ten different things at once, and you're probably yeah. doing the same now. But like, why is it that you can do that? Uh, I, I feel like I'm searching in my mind for the answer that you no, think I'm gonna no, have. No, simplest <laughs> answer. Yeah, simplest no, answer. genuinely, I think because I just I was committed and and wanted each of them enough that they were important to me to, to be able to do and maintain. Like I, I wanted to get the degree I had set out on that mission five years ago when I started college, my parents were helping me through that. So I wanted to accomplish that for myself, for them. That was one. The fraternity I had also committed to, like I had made some really great friends. I enjoyed that, I, that brought balance to my life. And the CrossFit Games was like, that was my dream for the last five years. At that point, I, all I wanted to do was be a CrossFit Games athlete. And I needed to coach in order to provide for myself, like pay off my college loans and all that stuff. Like they, they just, they all felt like necessities at the time. Perhaps I could have stepped out of one or two of them, but I wanted them all at once. And so I- So you love what you were doing. Yeah, yeah, I guess that, that was that was where my head goes. Okay, it was like you know, I think everybody in this room, we're all here for a reason, right? Like, yeah, because we've all gone down a similar path in yep. one way, shape, or form. And I think that's a really important thing to convey to other people. You know, young people trying to get into business, CrossFit, powerlifting, weightlifting. It's like there is no magic answer to like why are you one of the best CrossFitters of all time? You know, it's a very simple explanation, but it's very hard to convey that message I think for yeah. some people yeah. I, I think the word that parallels loving doing it that I was saying without saying it just there was I was passionate about all of them like sure. I, I wanted more than anything to become a CrossFit Games athlete and so that made it really fun and all the other stuff that I was doing I also loved and was proud of and just yeah being passionate about all of those pursuits made them doable for me I also think there's something to be said about like the mental callus you build up when you incrementally add things that are challenging over time, right? Like if we just took George and we're like, all right, George, I want you to join a fraternity, become a CrossFit Games athlete, get your master's degree, coach. He's going to be like, what are you talking what? about? Yeah, he would, right? he would improve, yeah. <laughs> he could do it. But, you know, you, you kind of jump into those things one at a time and you totally. assess the next thing and say, Okay, I can handle this. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, like training, you know, right? Like exactly. your progression yep. is almost. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're not going to, like if you deadlift 700 pounds, you're like, oh, and I can deadlift 700 pounds. And then you're like, let's, let's notch it up. Like, let's go for 710. 
you know? Yeah. yeah. It's the same exact, yeah. yeah, but with your mind and life it comes with experience for sure. And like, you know, you master one discipline, like when you started hybrid, it's like, okay, we're gonna offer a program. It's like, okay, well now we're gonna offer another program because now we know how to offer one program. And now, you know, like in scaling a business, you don't yeah. just go from zero to Facebook in, in a day. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like people it. rush that stuff all the time. That's why they like have so many failed, like things that they try to do in life. They're like, I'm gonna do, four different things, but they start all of them at the same time. So then it's like 25% of their effort is put in each one. It's like, yeah. how do you actually like accomplish that with such little effort, you know? And, and social media makes that so much uh, more dangerous because yeah. you can look at a, a business like ours and see apparel, a podcast, a gym, training. Think you're you not know? making it unless you're doing all of that. Yeah, yeah and the reality is you don't need to do everything, but you just need to start with something. Yeah. And once you do well at that one thing, you can add more and more. Exactly. more just things. get the ball rolling somewhere. Yeah. I think for me that is important, the honesty and vulnerability. Like you said, on social media as a piece of it, I want to be transparent about my journey. I don't want people to think that I got good at CrossFit immediately. Like I, I love sharing the fact that it took me three, four years to qualify for the first time. The fact that I was watching in the stands before I was actually competing down on the floor, like that's important for me to convey that message because I want the people that aren't the, the best athlete, aren't the strongest person, the fastest person. I want them to know that you don't have to start that way, but you can work and build yourself up to being that, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, How do you do that? I mean, in terms of being vulnerable on social media, like do you, are you doing that actively or do you yeah. feel like people respond to it positively? Yeah, I definitely do. And I think that was what made me even more engaged with it was the, the positive response that I got when I started to share stuff. And I don't, I don't know what sparked it at first. I remember the most back in 2019, my parents were splitting up and I had shared a little bit of that on social and it was a really tough time for me emotionally sure. and also training at the same time, like, this also, you know, your mind bounces from place to place. Just talking about that and thinking about that. There was a day when a family from somewhere had dropped into peak and this young kid, it was like his dream to train with me. And they came to Miami specifically for that. And with no forewarning at all, they literally just showed up and they were like, our son has been wanting to train with you for a long time. And I had like just gotten off the phone with my mom sobbing about something going on and stepped into the gym and like wanted to just go into a corner by myself and disconnect. And that was one of the hardest days of like, all I wanted to do was go home and I, I really wanted to cry. And I was like, I have to put on this face for this kid for this moment. Like it, it, it was his, his day, you know, if he had showed up on another day, it would have been the best day ever. And I don't want him to leave with a negative experience and to have shut him down because that was the day that he happened to show up. I don't know why I was going off on that. That just popped into my v mind. Vulnerability. Yeah, right? emotions Honestly, and vulnerability, right. but that was just a, a side note to it. Um, I think around that time, I shared some of those emotions with people on social media and it was probably for me because I wanted some um, support and relatability from people to say like, hey, I've been through that, it's gonna be okay. And it ended up being both. I got that from people, but then I also got the flip side of it where people said, I was going through that or I am going through that and to know that you are too and you're still pushing through and doing what you love to do is really inspiring. Thank you for that. And so I thought, man, it's cool. People need to hear that, but it's something that people don't really like to talk about. 
Well, it's vulnerable, you know, it's uh, you kind of open, you open your armor up, so to speak. And I, I'm sure a lot of people on social media are doing their best to craft an image that is yeah. not vulnerable. It's, you know, everybody wants to be the next uh, Terminator, or whatever, Dan Bilzerian on Instagram, yeah. whatever, look like. Liver King. Dude, what, what? All right. Wait, 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 wait. What, what's that guy's deal? I don't know, but he knows. Uh, liver is king anybody. and he is the liver king. Yeah. Basically, that's all there is he, to it. He and eats, he claims to be natural. He all by animals. these nine yeah. ancestral tenants, he claims. So I don't, I don't know what they all are, but basically the thing that has made him so popular is he just, he tries to live the way that we, we did as people. Like during the hunter-gatherer times. Looking for polio? All right, all right. We and, got, I got to figure this out later. Yeah, I've heard yeah. of this guy's name 10 times. We'll, we'll tap into it. Okay. But, um, we'll send you some stuff. I think, Thank you. I think in terms of vulnerability, um, one other thing that, dang, now I, I kind of lost my train of thought, which is okay. What were we talking about? Just you were talking about we, sharing with oh, people. You were, yeah, you were saying that people want, they craft the image right, of yeah. like the macho man. And I went through that myself when I first qualified for the games. I was a young, kind of scrawny kid relative to all these guys that have been doing it for a while and were just bigger like men. Yeah, yeah. And I felt like I had to put on this like macho persona for me to believe that I belonged there. And for other people I thought that were looking from the stands to not see me as the little kid amongst the men, I tried to like act tough and it, it, it was not well received. So I kind of just started to be myself and people tended to like me better more. They liked that side of, of things that the image that I was putting off, which was just genuinely me, a lot better. Um, so I kind of went down that route and what I want to get to in my uh, train of thought here is that as athletes being at the top level, I feel like not many talk about the, the tough stuff because it makes you seem weak. And I often go through that myself like, mm, should I talk about the doubt that I'm having? Because then people are going to know that I'm having doubts and they're not going to believe in me and pick me as one of their people to podium at the game. So maybe I should just hold that to myself so that I can generate this image of like the guy that is super talented and believes in himself and has no doubts and fears. But I think at this point in my career, I'd rather be honest. And I had a cool moment at the games this year where... Spencer Panchik is one of the competitors. Mm -hmm. In the warm-up area after an event, one of the, I think it was like Saturday evening, I was leaving, the warm-up area was pretty much empty. I had like packed up my stuff and Spencer was cooling down on a bike and it was just me, him, and my manager and friend Bijan. And as we were leaving, Spencer said, hey, I just wanted to share with you that I listened to your podcast that you did with Tommy after the MAC, which was our qualifying competition. And I wanted to thank you for being really vulnerable. You talked about like, fear and doubt and nerves and being able to like sustain this career for this long and I feel like nobody talks about that and I was experiencing it myself so to hear somebody that's been doing it for a long time say that and somebody that I looked up to and think is one of the best to know that they also still get nervous like made me feel a lot better and so I, I want to do a better job of talking about that stuff not overly so like I don't need to push it for no reason but just when the thoughts come up I want to be able to share them because not as many people do, even though a lot of people have those feelings. I think yeah. it's, it's important to do that too, because <clears throat> the more you do it and the more other people do it, the less of a stigma that kind of stuff has. It stops being viewed as, as uh, a point of weakness to yeah. be vulnerable or to struggle. You know, Anyone who says that they haven't struggled or haven't doubted themselves in something that's important to them is 
likely lying, you know? So if you're feeling that way, other people are for sure feeling that way. And then you just open the doors for more people to feel comfortable talking about stuff, you know? I don't know if you, you watch UFC sometimes. I do. And I just saw a cool clip that I'll reference after you say what you're It might be the same one that you're talking about with Patty Pimblett. Yeah. Oh yeah. Amazing. Patty the Batty? Yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about. That speech he so, gave at the, yeah. yeah at his, his, his friend had committed suicide the week uh, prior to his fight, and it was really tough for him. And he used the platform when he won that fight to, to say, you know, it's for some reason for so long it's been okay for women to speak openly about, you know, emotional and mental struggle. And, uh, you know, for guys, it's, it's often seen as, a, you know, a point of weakness but it's something that needs to change because he's like, I would have rather had my buddy crying on my shoulder than Mm. in the, in the ground, you know, and it it doesn't have to be that way. Sometimes just being able to feel like you can talk to somebody is enough for someone not to make, you know, a decision that they can't undo. That's cool. That, that hit me right here. Cause I had heard about that, but I hadn't heard exactly what was said. And yeah, it was like a very, it was not something you would never, you would never expect a guy like him with his personality to go yeah. up there and use the stage where he just won like yeah. a spectacular victory. Like that's cool. And it was well received too, which, was oh, yeah. cool, which I liked a lot that like people loved it. Got a lot of yeah. posts on social media. Like everybody was very complimentary, which yeah. I think is good. What was the clip you were talking about? Somebody had just sent me um, a clip of another fighter, and I would have to look it up to see what his name was, but he had just lost the fight, and it was like the post-fight um, conference, and I think some Ariel Arwari is like the one of the main yeah. guys that I say his name, but he asked the guy about his, his happiness and his joy, even though he hadn't won. And the way that this fighter described it is that he realized eventually that he didn't need to win in order to be happy. That his his joy and independence and fulfillment in life was independent from his success in the ring. But he said, "Don't he didn't want anybody to mistake that for the fact that he wants to win more than anything. He's like, I would love to be the champion, but I don't need to be the champion to enjoy my life and to be happy. And that's kind of something that I've been crafting over the years, like happy but hungry is kind of one of my mottos. And similarly, like I want nothing more than to win the CrossFit Games. I've been pursuing that for over a decade. So obviously I'm committed to that. It means a lot to me, but just because I have failed to do so now nine times, I've gone to the CrossFit Games nine times and I've never won, I'm not gonna hang my head. You know, I don't want to view that as a failure, even though I have failed, I've still grown a ton along the way. I've made so many cool connections. All that to say that that was a cool quote for me that you can still be happy and have joy and success without the what people typically define as success, which is your name on the leaderboard or the belt around your waist or medal around your neck. So. It's like being just process oriented versus outcome oriented in a way, right? Yeah. Like if, if there's so many things that are out of your control when you talk about uh, winning the CrossFit Games, right? It's like you could have a freak injury. The workouts could just not be in your favor that year. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a million reasons right. outside of you showing up and doing your best that could result in you not winning the games. So it's like if you put all your importance on that, you're not really giving yourself control over how you're going to going to feel ultimately but if you enjoy the process and you take pride in the fact that you're doing all the things 
that put you in the best position to potentially do that. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a much better outlook. I agree with that. I also think it's not quite that simple to where even though I can say that that is all the case and then I get to the games and I finish in 12th place, which I took, like I'm pretty disappointed in that I'm not... <clears throat> oh, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. Yeah, but right. that's just a competitor mindset of somebody that wants yeah. to win. Right, but yeah. what I was going to say is... I, it, it requires, even if you are very process focused, if you still are competitive, it requires a little bit of a perspective shift at the end to still say, yes, I'm a little bit disappointed, but now I'm, I'm going to be able to find joy in these other things because I didn't achieve exactly what I wanted to. So, yeah. and, and I think you can use that with a ton of different things in life. It's just you choosing to, like I, I could go down the path of being super bummed out that I took 12th and last year was a waste of time and all this stuff that I committed training to wasn't worth it. But I, I don't wanna do that. I'm gonna look at the pieces that I could maybe do a little bit better with next year and appreciate all the awesome stuff that did happen this past year and move forward in a positive way from it. But I think you have to actively decide to do that. Like which way are you gonna go with it? Did you have any experiences in the games this year that felt like, like a, a failure to you that you had to deal with and overcome? And, how, and if so, how did you do that? Um, I don't know if anything comes to mind from your end, Aaron, being there as a, a spectator. But I honestly, this was an interesting year. It was a very, like, I don't like using these words, but truly, like, flat and kind of average year of performing for me. Rather than having big ups and downs where there were, like, some home runs that I hit and some where I got crushed, I kind of was, like... In terms of the leaderboard, I would take like a an 11th and then a 5th and then a 14th and a 17th and a maybe a 4th, but then again a, an 18th or a 19th and I don't know, it just, it was, uh, it was just, again, kind of flat. So nothing that stands out where I'm like, man, I really botched that or anything where I'm like, I freaking crushed that. A couple good moments, a couple bad moments, but like just above average for me, which is good, but not like... Not great. Not doesn't feel like it's yeah. worth celebrating as much. You're rewarded more at the games for like home run workouts, you know, versus like bad workouts. W would sense. you prefer that to have like a first place finish and like a low end finish or like a bunch of those? Or do you prefer to be more? Yeah, I mean, consistency is really important. And so it, it's more instead of like a first and a 38th, the guy that won this year didn't win a single workout but he also didn't have any of those he was like very consistent yeah. fourth eighth third second fifth seventh fifth fifth third like that consistency near the top is really important um but for memory's sake like the home run hitters are really fun they're exciting yeah. like you get cool video from that you get the fans really excited so there, there there's a kid guillermo guillerme majeros who is a friend of mine who's like probably the strongest guy in our sport right now, Brazilian kid. And he will have those home runs where he'll crush the barbell events, but he still is not as developed on like the CrossFit and aerobic capacity stuff. So he's big, like top to bottom. And I think he finished in like ninth or 10th or something like that. Um, okay. So yeah. I don't know if, if you're going to end up being in the same spot at the leaderboard, if he finished in 10th with a first and a 35th and I finished in 12th with like a bunch of, 12th place finishes, that's probably a little more fun to be him and have those event wins. You get bonus money for those. People get excited about them. The highlight reel, like you said. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, nice.
It's a lot more emotional swings, though. Yeah, for sure. The highest yeah, it's probably episodes. exhausting. Yeah, yeah, it's just tough yeah. to like go crush a workout and then the next workout, yeah, finish last. Like just dealing mm-hmm. with that, I'm sure is not. I didn't consider. Yeah, that, that's yeah. true. I didn't think about that. So now, having come out of the games, what are you working on? Well, is it? Have you had time to sit down with your team and be like, "This is where I want to improve"? And I, I have not yet. We're literally exactly one week out from the game, so I usually try to allow myself some time to chill and disconnect like we talked about a little bit earlier i've been in communication with my coach like we plan on having one of those discussions and it's funny the way that it happens for me and i don't know if there are any other competitors out there watching that relate but throughout the season you have your struggles and it can be difficult during the games i've personally experienced like a lot of doubt and anxiety and i'm not an anxious person but it's just like so much goes into that one week that it's very uncomfortable and so kind of right before it starts I like can't wait for it to be over and then when it ends immediately I'm like I'm ready to do that all over again like take me either back to the games that we were just in or fast forward me to next season like I really want another opportunity to to do better and perform well so I am very much looking forward to next season and I, I do want to pursue it I there's been a little bit of talk out there about me retiring which is not the case at all I plan fully on competing this next season individually. It'll be my 10th straight, which to me is an accomplishment, something that I'll be proud of. And potentially once I've completed and accomplished that, move into the team realm. I'm excited to potentially explore that because I I love people and connection and community. And I think that that will be even more fulfilling to me than my individual career. But I, I definitely am not ready to step out of being that individual athlete. So um, you asked what we're planning on on for this season. Not entirely sure yet, I have some ideas, but we don't have the plan in place. I like to take a few months after the games to chill physically, like let my body recover. Thankfully this year, like I was saying earlier, I'm not too banged up. So I don't have to waste four months of like doing rehab and backing off and I can start training a little bit sooner, but in this time period, I like to just like have fun with fitness, jump in with Aaron, do partner workouts, throw down with the class, connect with the people at our gym. That stuff is really special to me while I have the opportunity to. And I also personally love to do what we're doing now. I like to dive deeper into business endeavors and projects and collaborations and stuff while I cannot feel guilty about distracting myself from being a full-time athlete. So. That's kind of what my next few months look like. Nice. Aaron, yeah. what, are your, what are your goals for this year? My goals are just to keep pushing this guy as hard as I can, to be honest. Um, Selfless guy. I don't, I like to just train with all my friends and, you know, train for a good time, you know, and whatever fitness level that leaves me, like I'll compete with that. You know, I'm a very competitive guy naturally. So like this year we put together a team for peak and competed at the same semifinal as Noah. And that was good enough for me. You know, I don't like finish the year and I'm like, oh, I gotta go get stronger, get better at my aerobic capacity, this, that, and the other. Like, I'll just continue doing with whatever Noah's got on the program for the day. And like that, if I've got the time for it, I'll hop in for three, four hours. If I don't, I'll do an hour or 30 minutes, whatever it is. And like, that makes me happy. You know, I think career is very important to me too at this stage of my life, like pursuing my career obligations and like building a life. You know, I'm 24, fresh out of graduate school you know, to get my career kicked off and, you know, kind of like build a foundation where I can, you know, be stable in one area. Um, it's kind of like what I look forward to through the year. You know, we have a lot of fun training every day. Like when you train with your best friend and 
it's just jokes all the time, messing around. Like it makes it easy, you know, like training four or five hours a day can be tough, but mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's honestly not that bad. Aaron and I were doing a little uh, compliment party yesterday, just like some gratitude texts back and forth. He had like waited a week, he said, to really process the post-games yeah, emotions. Know. And he sent me a really, really nice message. And my response to him, which I'm happy to share with the world, is that I'm super grateful, like he was just saying, that we have each other to train with because that makes it a lot more sustainable for me. I think the whole balance between the happy but hungry, I have to have that joy and fun and play in my life in order to not get burnt out by the the hungry stuff and just grinding away. So Aaron's very selfless and to have somebody that's willing to jump in on whatever my program says for the day that's really built to get me better, that he's putting his um, individual progress aside to say, hey, I just wanna support you as a friend is pretty unique and I'm super grateful for that. So I don't know, I, I guess if we're talking to an audience out there, if you can find somebody that you have that whether it's that trade-off where somebody's being completely selfless and just doing your program or you guys meet somewhere in the middle, but finding people to train with, finding a community, having someone following the same program as you is really important to be able to make it last a long time. Yeah, I feel like that's everything. Like you can train, yeah, yeah, by yourself in a dungeon all day long or career opportunities, relationships, whatever it is, but like having people that you connect with that you're like pursuing all this with makes it feel so much easier. You know, it just like motivates you the days where you walk in to the gym, the office, whatever it is. And you're like, man, I don't want to have to do all these sets of back squats. You know, like your buddy's fired up. He's ready to go. Like that motivates you. That amps you up. You're like, like I got to show up. Yeah, exactly. I can't just like not do this now. Like, or yeah, you're about to start some grueling Metcon. That's 40 minutes of Imam work that you have no desire. (laughs) Yeah. Just to be able to like give knuckles and be like, we're in it together. Let's go. Yep. Put your head down. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to walk out better for it. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's, That's a cool. good message. Yeah. I think it's a good place to leave off too. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Our yeah, pleasure. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. A little uh, advertisement there. If you guys are <laughs> thinking about joining the Hybrid Wad community, it's a good place to be. You're going to get fit Ooh. with a bunch of friends and connect with coaches that are going to support you and give you uh, any answers to questions that you have along the way. Awesome. Find us at uh, hybridstrengthcoach.com and click on Hybrid Wad to get access to Noah and Aaron's program.